Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. This morning, we're going to dive right in, and I want to begin with a question. It may seem an odd question to you, but uh, this is a question that really relates to our new series that we're kicking off today. Uh, I was thinking of this question this week. Uh, The question is this, when was the first time that you remember being afraid? Seemed like a dark, kind of weird question, right? I have, I have an answer for me. I, I don't know what the answer is for you. And, and my answer is kind of funny and silly, so I'll share it. But yours may be way more serious than that. And so I'm not trying to conjure up a hard memory for you. But uh, what would that be for you? For me, it was as a little boy. I couldn't have been more than probably four years old. And I remember um, my brother and I had bunk beds. And so because he was older, my brother got the top bunk. And so I remember uh, being there on the bottom bunk. And at nighttime... Uh, a special privilege that we would get is my mom would put on a cassette tape. Now, I know half of you in the room have no idea what I'm talking about, so Google it later, but I've lost some of you with this you know, ancient technology, which I speak of, but it was this cassette tape thing that we would play at night, and it would be kind of a story, uh, maybe a Bible story, maybe just a, a you know, whatever, kind of a harmless 10-minute thing, but it was kind of a privilege that like the lights were out and we should be going to bed, but we got to listen to a story on cassette tape. And one particular night, the story that played, while it seemed innocent to everyone else in the room, meaning my brother on the top bunk, to me, I was gripped with fear. <laughs> the character in the story uh, was in a hot air balloon. And as the story goes, they kind of are losing control of the hot air balloon, and it begins to go up and up and up away. And so my four-year-old heart is gripped with fear at the thought of my favorite character in the cassette dying in outer space in a hot air balloon. And I just begin to weep, like ugly cry in my bed. And, you know, my brother, who's way too cool, you know, is just wanting to punch me in the head for ruining the cassette story. But that's, for me, when I remember the first time being afraid... That's what I think of, my scary cassette tape in the bottom bunk as my brother groaned loudly, oh, you know, that was me. But what about for you? We actually, in the Bible, have a really clear answer to the first time that fear ever enters into this story. If you're not familiar, the Bible begins with Genesis, and Genesis 1 is all about creation, God creating, and it was good. In Genesis chapter 2, you know, he's already in Genesis 1 created the land and the water and and all the, but in Genesis 2, he creates man, the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve. And at the end of Genesis 2, it says they felt no shame. But then in Genesis 3, something really significant happens, and we're not going to go there now, but the significant thing that happens is that God said, man, you can do everything. You can have it all, except there's one thing you can't do. And he sets up guardrails, he sets up uh, guidelines for their life, and they choose to do the one thing that he says not to do. And in that moment, sin enters into the world. Disobedience. That's what sin is, kind of a break in our relationship with God. And that's what happens in Genesis 3. And why is that significant? Because the moment that sin enters into the world, fear enters into the world. Literally, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, Adam, his response to sin is hiding from God. 
hiding from God, that, that loved him, that gave him everything, that we just read a chapter before, he felt no shame. But now, in response to disobeying God, he hides. And so God, of course, is God. Like, how are you going to hide from him? He's like, oh, it's like when I play hide and seek with my two-year-old. And she hides in the same place every time. And I'm like, I see you, right? That, that's God in the garden with Adam. And he finds Adam, and Adam's response in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10 says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. That's the first time we experience fear in this story at the very beginning of creation. When sin enters into the world, so does fear. And that doesn't mean today, that doesn't mean that because you feel fear, you should feel ashamed, but it does mean that you should pay attention. It does mean that you should be leaning in because I believe and the reason that we're starting 2020 with this series and with this approach is because I believe that fear is tormenting, tormenting people today in 2020 like never before. Not just the people in this room, but I believe we live in a world today that is tormented with fear like never before. And you see it everywhere. You see it on the news. You, you read about it every time you open a screen or, or click on the TV. Fear is rampant. It's every, it guides many of us. The reasons that we do the things that we do, it's, it's everywhere. we got to pay attention. And so for us as a church in 2020, uh, we're, we're deciding that we're not going to sit back any longer. I believe, this is what I believe is true about fear. I really believe it's the number one barrier that's keeping you and I from living out, experiencing God's best for your life. I really do. I believe fear is the number one thing. And the reason I believe that is because I've been listening and walking with you over this past year. And it seems like over this past year, anytime we as a church have had a time of prayer or time of commitment or time of surrender and, and, and people have, have even written down time and time again, what am I hearing from us? As a, that, that it's fear. I'm, I'm dealing with fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Time and time again, what is it that I hear from us in community? It's this idea of fear. And so what I really believe that fear is the number one thing that's keeping you and I from experiencing God's best. You may be here today, and you may say, I'm not really a faith person, I'm not really a religious person, but I believe even you want God's best. That even if you're not sure about God, but you get to choose today between God's best and his not best, I think you would say, well, if there is a God, I think I want his best. And so I think for each and every one of us, fear is the barrier. It's not the only barrier, but I believe it's one of the greatest barriers keeping us from experiencing God's best. And so that's why in 2020... We're deciding to lean in. We're deciding that we're not going to stand by and just watch it happen anymore. We're going to lean in. It, really, the foundation for what we're going to be talking about over this uh, next month comes from 2 Timothy 1, 7. Uh, I'm going to read it. It's going to be on the screen in the New King James Version. I don't read that version out loud. I read it personally, but don't often preach from it. But for a specific reason, uh, it's on the screen behind me now. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You may say again, why are we talking about this? Because clearly, as Paul writes to Timothy, he's reminding us that God has given us a spirit, but it's not of fear. That's that when we experience fear, and while there's some good, you know, I'm glad that my two-year-old is a little bit afraid of touching the hot stove because she'll get, you know, I get that. But this idea of kind of overwhelming fear, debilitating fear, man, that is not from God. That is not his desire from you. And how do I know that? It's because that's what God's word says. That God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that, that phrase, spirit of fear, 
when it was originally written in Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, that idea of spirit of fear is pneuma delos. And, and literally, you know what that means? Uh, the spirit of fear, it kind of gives the sense of being tormented or haunted by something on the outside that once we entertain it, it enters into the inside. But literally, that idea, spirit of fear, yeah, it's this idea of something that exists kind of out here, but once we entertain it, once we invite it in, once we pay attention to it, then it enters into our spirit. And it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let, let's see it again. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what does it say in 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power and love and sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. What has he given us? A spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love, and he's given us a spirit of a sound mind. And that idea of sound mind is not like peace on a beach with your feet propped up, which sounds really good today, doesn't it? It was cold this morning. I like that idea, but that's, that's not what sound mind means. When it's saying that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind, it's more of really this idea of self-control. And so what the scripture is really saying is that the sense of freedom from fear means that it doesn't control you anymore. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but you've been given a spirit of power from the Lord, and a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control where fear does not have to be your God anymore. That's what God's word says. It's as if uh, this specific passage is, is differentiating a spirit that God has given us that's explained earlier in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We'll talk about this passage in the coming weeks, but notice, again, it's the spirit that God gives is not, is not make us slaves to fear. That's not who we are. And so today, we begin by just acknowledging if, if you're living in fear, that's not God's will for you. Now, we understand and we, we are compassionate that some of us today are dealing with psychological fear. I mean, fear, that's a symptom of something wrong physically or chemically. And we believe God has gifted us with professionals that can help us walk through that. But today, we're specifically talking about fear that comes as a result of doubt and worry that's debilitating in our lives. And that's not God's will for you to walk in fear anymore. I've said all that to get us to Matthew chapter 8. If you could turn there with me today. This is really the picture and the image I want to leave you with as you're journeying throughout your week. I want you to have this snapshot. It's just a, a five verses that we're going to read in Matthew 8, starting with verse 23. But this is really the snapshot. When you think of fear this week, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to have etched in your mind as you journey throughout your week ahead. And the background is Jesus has been ministering and teaching, and he's actually really tired. <laughs> and so kind of he gets on board a boat with his disciples to journey across on the other side, and, and we know that something interesting is about to happen. And we're going to begin reading Matthew 8, uh, starting with verse 23. I have it on the screen behind me if you don't have it in front of you, but it says this. Uh, then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. 
I want you to get this. I know we're reading. Some of us learn by reading. Some of us really learn, though. We're kind of visual learners. And so I want you to get a snapshot in your mind of what's happening here. That disciples in Jesus, they spend a lot of time together. They're good friends. They're constantly kind of learning from Jesus, experiencing. But now they just get into a boat. They go across the other side, and Jesus is asleep, and a storm is raging. Not like a I mean, waves are going over top of the boat, and these are not just inexperienced. I mean, some of these people are fishermen. They're people that have been at sea before. So this is not your first person ever in a boat. You know, these are experienced, seasoned fishermen who are freaking out because there's a storm. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. Have you ever been there in your life? Have you ever been there with the storms that you experienced in your life? Maybe you feel like you're there today. You're in the midst of a storm. I mean, you feel like this is overwhelming. This is too much. You can't handle it anymore. I mean, the waves are, I mean, you feel like you're done for. And you're looking around, you're saying, where's Jesus? He's asleep. Right? You ever feel like that? I I have. In some of my hardest moments where I looked around and said, God, where are you? It seems like Jesus is sleeping in the midst of my storm. Maybe I can see him. Maybe I know he's there, but he's not doing anything. Have you been there in your life? That's a picture. That's an image I want you to carry. Let's continue reading. In verse 25, the disciples did what any of us would do. They went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so I want to keep that verse on the screen for just a minute. Jesus, he's asleep. Why is he sleeping? He's tired. Can I tell you this morning, as I was reflecting on this scripture, that really encouraged me that Jesus got tired, because I feel tired sometimes. Somebody can say amen, right? Right? Because um, I, I just, I know it's New Year, and some people around you are jazzed up and excited, but you're, I mean, maybe you're like me, you're just tired. Man, I'm so glad Jesus was tired. I'm so glad he slept sometimes, too, because I need, I need to know that right? I need to know that on Sunday afternoon when I need a nap, right? That Jesus was sleeping. And so they wake him up, and Jesus' response, this is what I want you to see, because what Jesus does is he parallels two concepts, two ideas that are really important for us, they're foundational for this topic of fear. Jesus says, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Two ideas, fear and faith. Faith and fear, that Jesus automatically kind of correlates together, that there's a relationship here, there's a connection here. In some ways, what Jesus is saying, you have little faith in me. Why are you so afraid? You see, uh, fear is always connected in the life of the believer to our faith. Faith, life of the believer is always connected to our fear. What is fear? What is kind of this idea of fear? Sometimes Sometimes we would say fear is the absence of faith. I don't really think that's true. I don't. I, it can be true. It might be true. But, but you know what I think fear really is? I don't think fear is the absence of faith. I think fear is the perversion of faith. Here's the difference. In the boat that day, the disciples had faith, but, but their faith was perverted. Their faith was uh, that, that they had faith that God can't be trusted in this moment. They had faith that in this moment, they were all alone. They had faith in that moment that they were forgotten. 
You see, it wasn't necessarily an absence of faith, but a perversion of faith, a, a twisting of the faith. And that's what the enemy does in your faith and in my faith in times of fear. He takes our faith that is grounded in truth and, and he perverts it. He distorts it. And, and so I don't really believe that fear is the absence of faith. I really believe that it's the perversion of it. Jesus, in this moment, as he's saying, you have little faith. You have little faith in me. Why are you so afraid? In some ways, he's saying, you didn't have faith that I was with you in the storm. You had faith that the storm was going to be your end-all, be-all. You had faith that I had forgotten you. You had faith that your circumstances around you were too much. Faith. Faith. Let's continue reading in verse 26. It says, then Jesus got up, and he rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. What's remarkable here is that Jesus, he's challenging their faith because their faith was being rocked because of their circumstances. And today, some of you here today, your fear is justifiable. You can justify your fear. You can show me. You can make me a list. You can point to the five reasons today that you should be afraid. And all of us in the room would agree with you. In this, what's important about this story is the disciples had every reason to be afraid. There was a storm raging. They were overcome that the circumstances did not look good. But Jesus is challenging them to have faith that extends beyond their circumstances. In John 14, chapter 1, Jesus said something that's really remarkable. He, he said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't allow it. You may be able to justify the fear that you're experiencing, but don't allow it. Don't allow yourself to give in to fear. Don't allow yourself to the circumstances piled up around you to overwhelm you and overcome you. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it happen. Don't allow it. Fight. Battle. Take every thought captive. Don't give up is what Jesus would say in the midst of your battle with fear. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because I believe that fear is the perversion of faith. It's the enemy's way to get us maybe just two degrees off course in the area of faith. The bottom line today and what I really want you to know and what I really want you to take with you as you remember this story, as you think about that image, as you go throughout your week of Jesus sleeping in the midst of the storm, some of you feel like you're there today, that Jesus is just asleep. And you're trying to wake him up, trying to get his attention. I need you down here. I need your help. This is really what I want you to know about faith and fear. Uh, the bottom line for us is this, is that passive faith, passive faith cannot defeat pervasive fear. That's what we're talking about today. We're not just talking about fear like I'm afraid of skunks. I really am. You can laugh at me later. I hate them, you know. We're not just talking about it's dark outside and oh, I'm afraid from it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about when we're, my wife is so afraid of heights that like we're watching a TV show and they're high up and her feet start to hurt, you know. Like we're not talking about that. We're talking about pervasive fear. We're talking about the kind of fear that wakes you up in the middle of the night. You know what I'm talking about. We're talking about the kind of fear that when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, it's right there waiting for you. You can't get away from it. You, you try to mask it. You try to turn to other things to numb the pain, to quiet the fear. Uh, that's the kind of fear we're talking about today, pervasive fear in the truth, not my truth, God's word, his truth 
is that you cannot overcome pervasive fear with passive faith. And maybe the most alarming thing for some of us, maybe the biggest challenge for some of us is how many of us are walking through our day-to-day life, a relationship with God, living a passive faith. A faith that we do things when it's convenient, when we have time. We make God a priority, not the priority. We make faith a matter of kind of convenience, not something that really our life is centered upon, and that is passive faith, and that is not the kind of faith that can overcome the fear that we're talking about today. To be clear, we don't overcome fear. We can't. In fact, we believe that the truth of God's word is that he can, he will, he has overcome fear. And so when we're talking about passive faith, we're not really talking about what we're doing, but we're talking about how connected we are to God, how engaged our faith is to what God is doing and what he wants to do in us and through us. I wrote this down. You can build your faith or you can build your fear, but you can't build both. Really, it's about what are you pursuing in your life? That's right, but pursue. Some of us, nobody in the room would say, well, I'm pursuing fear. You know, but, but, but what are you watching? What are you filling your mind with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What kind of truth are you filling your mind with? Who is it that you're turning to for encouragement? A lot of us, if we were really honest, we're pursuing fear. We're filling our mind with thoughts and ideas and fear and fear, and it's everywhere. You don't have to look far. But today, are you pursuing faith? Because if you're not really pursuing faith, then your faith is passive. But today, what are you immersing yourself in? What is your focus? What is it that you're surrounding yourself with? And you know today, really, the reason that we don't need to be passive Did you know the reason that we don't need to be passive in our faith? Well, it's because because of Jesus. It was because in Genesis chapter 3, when fear entered into the world, God was at work redeeming his creation to bring about his redemption plan. And you know what his plan was? Starting in Genesis 3, Jesus. That was the plan. That was the plan to overcome fear, to conquer fear. The reason God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind is because of Jesus, because he came. And he would pay the price on the cross. He would take your place and my place on the cross, and he would suffer, and he would die, and they would put him in the grave. But three days later, he rose again. He conquered death. Well, what is the number one thing of, to be afraid of? Public speaking, right? No, the next thing, right? Fear, death, right? That's, for some, that's the ultimate thing. But Jesus overcame that. So if he overcame fear and death, what is it in your life he cannot overcome? That's why we don't have to be passive. That's why we don't need to, to tiptoe around fear. That's why we can come out swinging in this new year. Why? Because we serve a God who already overcame. I read the end of the story, and we win, by the way. I, read, I don't know what your circumstances are. I'm not trying to make light of it today. I'm just here to tell you, I've read the story, and the ending is real good. We win. Victory is ours. So we don't have to be passive anymore. We don't have to tiptoe around. No, we can come out and say, the God I serve is able. We just sang that. My God is able and he can. He will help me overcome even the biggest fear and the most debilitating thing today that you're facing. God is able. Amen? Amen? Do we believe that? Because if we don't believe that, then we're not reading this. 
we're just listening. We're just being hearers of the word, but we're not being doers because if we believe what's written in here, then it says the God we serve can overcome anything. And we're not a slave to fear anymore. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. This is good news. This is good news. As I prayed for you this morning, as you were on your way, I prayed. And I believe God, God wanted us to hear good news today. Your life may be filled with bad news. Your, your life may be overwhelmed with fear. But today we have good news in Christ because he has given us the victory. No matter where you are today, no matter how scared you feel, no matter how lonely you feel, you feel like Jesus is asleep in the boat and the storm is raging, you can today overcome fear through his power at work in you. But the truth is, it's got to be more than passive faith. Passive faith cannot defeat pervasive fear. We need God to do something in us. We need him to increase. I pray often, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, help me. Help me. This morning, we have a few that are going to come and help us close the service. In response, we've been planning uh, for this series specifically for a few months. And, and we have a few uh, here in, as a part of our church that um, are, are just kind of gifted in the area of, of music. And so they just felt led um, a few of them to get together and invited others to help them just write a song. Write a song that would help express kind of the heart and the attitude and the prayer as we journey through the series. And so we're going to close the service today by I'm inviting them to just share these words with us. And these are not words uh, just to a song. These are words from their heart. This is a prayer from the depth of their soul as we pray that God would help increase our faith, especially as it relates to the battle with fear. So as they begin to play, and as we prepare our hearts to hear, would you pray with me this morning? God, today we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid anymore. For some of us, um, even as I say that, that feels impossible. The weight that is being carried by some in this room is beyond what I could even understand. But Jesus, you went to the cross. You went to the cross to take every burden that we would carry, every fear that would trap us, every fear that would ensnare us, every fear that would overwhelm us. You went to the cross to give us victory over that. So today we're not praying about something that we can do in our strength. No, God, we're asking you to take us beyond passive faith. Passive faith kind of fits you in when we can. Passive faith kind of lives my way and then asks you to bless it. Passive faith kind of comes when I come to the end, then I ask you to show up and do the rest. But Lord, forgive us from living that way and help us instead to live a faith that pursues your best for our life. In, in this new year, some of us, Lord, we need to turn Turn from a passive faith to a faith that really allows you to lead and guide our life. God, when is the last time that we gave you permission to lead and guide our thoughts? When is the last time we gave you permission to instruct the things that we consume and listen to and fill our minds with, Lord? When is the last time we gave you permission to change who it is that we surround ourselves? Lord, help us. Instead of pursuing fear, pursue faith in you and we believe victory is ours in Christ Jesus 
victory is ours. And I'm praying not just for today, but in the days to come. Not just the year. Oh, that's overwhelming. I'm praying for today. I'm praying for tomorrow. I'm praying for this week that we can begin to walk in freedom and in victory because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. And oh, we need you. We can't do this on our own. And we don't have to. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.